What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. I am your host, Matthew Potter, and I have an amazing panel of real estate professionals that are going to go ahead and chop up some questions and give us some great answers. Really looking forward to these. Before we start, for those that are just tuning in for the first time, this is the way that we do this around here. Each panelist will get 45 seconds to go ahead and give their argument, and then after that, there will be two minutes of them chopping it up. Afterwards, we will award a point. Those with the most points at the end will win. We're going to go ahead and start by introducing everyone. We're going to start off with Steve Trang. Hey, what's up, everyone? Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. Uh, I've been in the business coming up on 16 years now. I've screwed up almost every way that is possible. So uh, if you guys ever need help <laughs> shortcutting that process, reach out to me. And we do have our live event at the end of the month, Sales Disruptors, two-day Live sales trainings to salesdisruptors.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Steve. Next up, we have the always lovable Jimmy Vreeland. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? <laughs> uh, Jimmy Vreeland, Cashflow Tactics, Vreeland Capital. Matt, I got to be honest with you. With you. I, 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 flew, I flew from California. From California. I, got I got in at two, in at two last night. Last night. I woke, I woke up, up and we played three, we played three days, three of, days basketball. of basketball. I woke up, I woke up today feeling very, very, very sore. Very sore. Uh, uh, then I went, then I went did a little work, work, went to jujitsu, jiu but, but I'm running, I'm on, running pure on pure adrenaline, adrenaline today, today, so I cannot, so I cannot necessarily, necessarily uh, be responsible for anything, for anything that comes, that comes out, of out of my mouth in the next hour. I'm on pure fumes. Absolutely. We will go ahead. I was given the opportunity to come on and talk smack about real estate. I'll find the energy to do that. Absolutely. And we appreciate you for it. And even running on fumes, we know that you're going to give us better answers than our next panelist, RJ Bates. Go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. Glad you're back from your hangnail injury. What's up, Potter? Uh, you, know, you know, I try my, my best to, uh, to uh, avoid, avoid any episode, episode that, that involves Jimmy Vreeland. Vreeland. Uh, the, PTSD the PTSD that I have, that I have from, hosting from hosting when he was, he was on, on, where he literally, literally Roasted, roasted me for me all five questions, questions is still, still lingering, lingering, but you know, you know, here we are. We are. Somehow, Somehow I'm, I'm stuck with him today. And he's saying he's, he's on fumes, fumes, so, so this, is this is probably going to be a terrible episode whenever he talks. Outside of that, I'm excited to be here, and I've found any other way to besides the train. So if you want to learn about how to not screw up like me, titaniumcrucible.com. Awesome. Glad to have you back, RJ. You know, it really hasn't been the same without you. Last but certainly not least, my main man, Chris Jefferson. CJ, introduce yourself. Yeah, man. Chris Jefferson, in charge of university. Uh, look, I, I guess I'm really just happy to be here amongst these uh, these titans of, of the industry. Uh, so I'm here to hang out, answer some questions, see how I can be a valuable resource today. All right. But uh, charge of university, startflippingdeals.com. Uh, Potter, man, what do you, uh, what do you say we get into it? Man? Let, let's go ahead and get to it real quick. Before I forget, for our student studio audience, if you have a question that you want featured, go ahead and text out over to 33777, text question. We'll go ahead and get you on as our bonus sixth question. Let's go ahead and get into it. First and foremost, um, everybody's favorite question that we have did you start your business to be free from a boss or corporate world, or was it for you to be free and pursue excellence? Start us off, Steve. 
First of all, I just want to comment that I'm concerned that you address Chris as my main man. I, I knew it was suspect when you were, when you were walking in with the, the UCAP, you know? Where? But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, shout whatever. out my boy Potter, man. That's my so, guy. Where's anyway, my buzzer? Uh, I got into this business to be free from a boss, to be free from the corporate world. I It didn't take very long for me to realize that I am unemployable. Uh, having a boss telling me what needs to be done didn't work for me. Uh, I worked at Intel where one of the core values was uh, disagree and commit, meaning you do what you were told to do, even if you disagree with management. And um, I never followed that. I never got written up, but I did not do a very good job of listening to or following direction. So for me personally, I got into working for myself because A, I could not have a boss, and B, I wanted to make a lot of money. Those were the, the reasons why I decided to, to go off on my own. I'm absolutely shocked by this breaking news that you were not a rule follower over at Intel. <laughs> All right, next up, Jimmy, what about you? Free from uh, the corporate world, or are we looking to uh, pursue some excellence over there? Uh, so the, this was my first uh, question contribution, and so this kind of came from Steve's talk at CG this week. Uh, you did a great job on that that talk, Steve, but I definitely, like Steve, was in the corporate world, and um, I want to start my own business, not so much because I hated my boss, but I hated um, I hated getting taxed as an employee. I could not I could not stand giving up half of my income uh, to the government, and sure, having a boss sucked too. Um, but then, uh, you know, as as uh, the longer the business goes on, the more I see it. Like as um, the ability, what excites me is the ability to get better, to get the team better, to get myself better. And then when I was in like this tweener period where, oh, I just want to sit on the beach and drink Mai Tais and not have a boss, like my business really sucked. So once I was able to kind of change my view in that, hey, all of these mistakes we're making, we're getting better. And that at the end of the day, this is just a constant iteration of trying to get better and pursue excellence. I started having a lot more fun as a business owner. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, the, our next, uh, our next person is no stranger to a nine to five. What about you, RJ corporate world? Or are we looking to be excellent? Uh, first of all, my first answer today is sponsored by Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. Um, listen, I, I worked, I dedicated eight years of my life to working a job. I got promoted uh, three times along the way. I had a gentleman from corporate show up and tell me that I should have never been promoted and I was an overpaid shift manager. Ooh. That pretty much ended any chance of me ever working for someone ever again. Um, so I, I guess if I have to pick one, it would say to, to avoid the corporate world. But the reality is it's kind of both. I mean, I also wanted to achieve excellence because I wasn't going to be able to do that at any job uh, that I was going to be at. So I think the motivation came from the boss of the corporate world. Uh, but really at the end of the day, it was also just to achieve the, the excellence that I wanted in my life. All right. Way to um, take both parts of the question and go ahead and just smush them together. Really appreciate that there. Um, you know, shout, shout out to Fireball as well for that answer. All right, CJ, <laughs> next up, what about you, boss? A little bit of both, man. I mean, look, I failed out of college, barely got out of high school because I was playing sports all day, chasing girls, not focused at all. 
and uh, just lack of options, man. I mean, I was making $15 an hour sitting working in a call center. And, uh, you know, you read Fortune magazine, Forbes magazine, and people tell you how much money you can get, uh, you know, doing real estate, man. So I jumped into real estate, wanted to study it, learn it. Did end up in college at the time and studying real estate, urban land development and realized that uh, I was going to school to be taught how to get a job to go work for somebody that would never pay me enough to be their neighbor. So why would I do that versus going out, figuring out on my own, working for myself? And uh, now I'm their neighbor, man, in the neighborhood acting crazy, uh, you know, cutting up, man. And they're like, who is this guy that lives in our neighborhood? How did he get in here? So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I started it because I wanted to make some money, man. I didn't have any resources. Double gates, double gates. All right. Chop it up. Two <laughs> minutes, guys. <laughs> well, I just want to be clear. Neither neither RJ nor Jimmy really answered the question. They're talking about what, what, what they're passionate about today. The question was, what did you quit your job for? So just want to point that out there, nullify it. Also, I just well, want to... I don't uh, know if we uh, have uh, instant replay on this show, but you could definitely <laughs> review my answer. And I definitely said it was to it escape is. the corporate it's, world and, and my it's outrageous... On, it's on YouTube. We'll watch it later. Outrageous way in which I was being taxed. Anyway, but, uh, I, I want to also shout out to CJ because he was making $15 an hour in the call center. I was only making eight. So I, I was clearly, clearly doing it wrong. <laughs> Right. But I, I want to go back. I answered. I said it was the <laughs> asshole that came There's in. There's no need to be defensive. You're being defensive, RJ. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, Steve, yeah. I, I got a question for you. Like, with your education students, wouldn't you? It seems to me, and I know from like our experience, 80% of people come into this world to avoid pain. But eventually, mm -hmm. don't you think they have to transition out to? Oh, absolutely. We all transition. Yeah, no, pursuing excellence is definitely something I'm very passionate about. But that was not on my mind when I started. When I started, I wanted to do what I want, whenever I want it, however I wanted to do it. Like That was it, right? It was all about me. I was completely selfish. It was all about greed and selfishness. That's how I started. And it wasn't. It's kind of like, you know, the is it the, uh, which is the, the Charles Dickens story, right? Where the guy grows a heart, right? It wasn't until I started helping Scrooge? people that I realized. Scrooge yeah. or the Grinch? Scrooge. <laughs> Scrooge, right? But it wasn't until I started helping people and started seeing success on the other ends, like, oh, there's more to this than just money. But when I started, it was purely out of selfish greed. Yeah, I, just want I, to know, I was just trying to get away from a boss and then something bad would happen to me in my business. I would just be like, oh, this sucks. Maybe corporate wasn't so bad. <laughs> Go ahead, RJ. I just want point out that uh cj was not even a closer in college because he was constantly chasing girls that was <laughs> <laughs> no 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 man now listen i realized easily that why was i paying to go to school i didn't have any student loans i'm paying to go to school living on campus and uh i'm studying real estate development and somebody's telling me how i can go be an analyst at you know tallheimer or grubbs ellis or cbr or how I can be an underwriter or, you know, a sales rep, this, that, and a third, uh, didn't make much sense to me. It still doesn't. Uh, to me, it was clear that you could self-educate quickly with this business, figure out exactly what you needed to do, find a lane that worked for yourself and go make a lot of money. And, uh, you know, then you don't have to wear a suit every day, uh, you know, when you go to your nine to five, like RJ Bates, man. <laughs> Man, the parting shot there. All right, ding, ding. That one that one is done. This answer is going to be coming to you by Smartwater. Just want to throw that out there since apparently we're just going <laughs> to grab our drinks. Um, that being said, for that round, um, 
I'm gonna go ahead and take this one to the uh, to the chat. The people have spoken. We're letting CJ uh, get the point this round. It was a uh, you know, it's really nice that he was making 15 an hour while the rest my of man. us were struggling at five. My main man, Chris eight. Jefferson, right here. Um, <laughs> that, that's really interesting. I didn't even notice that uh, CJ's comments were relevant to the conversation. Sure, there some good in there, but Cal- calm down over there, fumes. Calm down. <laughs> All right, next up. What is your reaction to Powell telling Congress rates will likely go higher? Start us off, CJ. Yeah, I feel like, you know, half the real estate industry is living in some sort of like bubble or fantasy land, perhaps. Or maybe we're all like influencers and nobody wants to just be realistic. Uh, look, I mean, we're not hearing or seeing anything new that, that, that he said. I mean, they've been saying for almost a year now uh, that they will not stop raising rates until government goals are achieved. Uh, They've intentionally not marked us in a recession, although we are and have been in a recession, in my opinion. Uh, You know, the rule has been bended, so to speak, uh, because you don't want utter chaos that they are actually creating themselves. So, I mean, look, what is the the effect of it? Uh, I think it's the same effect that it's already had. Uh, I think there's gonna be continued compression on the market. I know that the market is, you know, mostly solid in many areas right now, but, we're seeing drastic drop loss across the market right now from Fortune 500 companies. Eventually, that's going to start trickling down to small business owners, small companies, uh, and, and and people that work at these small businesses, which make up the majority of America. Uh, so I think everybody should be proceeding with a little bit of caution. I think it can be bullish and cautious at the same time. But uh, look, I don't think anything new has even you know really been said. Dang. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts? I'm totally bummed. You know, um, it, it's the Fed's message has been pretty consistent. We will continue to raise rates until people suffer. And um, there is no one taking that message seriously. And the longer we prolong this, the more the suffering will be. Right. Like there was already going to be some sort of suffering. <clears throat> but the more we drag it out, the more we fight this, the more the suffering is going to be. And it sucks. So for me, my heart goes out to everyone that's going to have to pay the price for this right? They won't stop until there's more job loss. And because we're holding on, there's going to be an even bigger job loss at the end because the time that we respond is going to be from the last rate hike, right? This whole response is going to be, I think, I think it's going to be a bloodshed. And the longer this goes on, the more concerned I am for 2024 and 2025. <laughs> right? yes, that, like, that okay. is how I feel about all this. No, it it's the truth, man. It's going to be brutal, man. <laughs> all right, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on uh, on General Powell over there at the Fed right now? Uh, I kind of got two reactions. Part of me, like, doesn't really care. They've been saying they're doing it. My big concern is that they have the Fed has one blunt tool to affect the economy whatsoever, and then the fact that they're using the Unemployment. I think the unemployment rate is calculated in a horrible manner. Um, they're not calculating enough how many people are leaving the workforce. I was listening to Dan Crenshaw's mm-hmm. podcast last night, and in 24 states, the median income is the same as welfare. So there's like no motivation to go to work. So I, I think the unemployment rate they're looking at to make their decisions is a skewed number. So many people have left the workforce that the unemployment rate is completely inaccurate. And then that's what they're using to say, hey, am I going to raise the rates, not raise the rates? Now, that being said, them raising the rates 
I don't really care. Um, real estate's always the best show in town. And if a deal is a deal is a deal, regardless of the interest rate, if your plan is to own a business only in a low interest rate environment, you're in a bad spot. If your plan is to be an investor only in a low interest rate environment, you're in a bad spot. So like right now, if you, a deal is a deal. So um, like I said, I'm kind of a little annoyed, kind of don't care. All right. All right. Like the, like the insight there, especially the uh, welfare check. All right. Next up. Well, Can't I'm just trying to do the Leon Barnes thing and be informed. But that's how you win. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love that you you brought your cliff notes with you. All right, RJ, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm going to be quick since everyone else took four and a half minutes to answer. Um, Ding. Next. <laughs> it says, what is your reaction? So when I was thinking about this, I had a random thought while I was using the restroom. And it was, <laughs> why is the Michelin tire man white? Tires are black. And then I looked it up, and tires were actually white all the way up until 1912. And then they became black, and the Michelin tire man was already there. They had to put the some Federal style Reserve on Reserve started in 1913. I don't know how those two coincide, but I'm like, Steve, I don't like it, and that's my answer. <laughs> all right chop it up you guys well they had to change the tire color to put some style on it bro i mean that's that should be clear all right it just looks better man it looks better all right just saying no one else get white. that kind of information but pardon the disruption that's it well you all could right. you could also get it if you scroll for news on facebook like jimmy v over there all right because uh, clearly that's where he's sourcing his information on the economy uh, Steve kind of knows what's going on over there as well. But look, no, actually, Steve really does know what's going on. Listen, if you think that you're going to make it to 2024 doing the same shit that you've been doing, I promise you, man, you are in for an insanely rude awakening. Like the snowball is eventually going to run in. It's going to turn into an avalanche eventually. And everybody's yeah. just moving around, acting like everything is cool. Everything is normal, that you can just keep rolling the dice as you have been. I think a lot of are going to be in a tremendous amount of pain in the next year, year and a half, and it's going to be but, hard to watch. But you know, CJ, we, uh, I, I, you know what? I vehemently disagree. Well, you disagree because of how it will affect you, but not the majority Jimmy, of America. You've got to listen to what Powell's saying. I mean, he, that's literally his words. Hey, we are we going to inflict pain on people, bro. Like, they're we're literally keep going until you suffer. That's literally <laughs> but, what he's saying. And I, but who suffer? People, people on the margins, like. No, the average here's everyday I, here's person. What I'm seeing in our market. We're seeing a price bump. Uh, what I've seen is investors don't care. And then in the 80s, when they really, in the late 70s and 80s, they doubled interest rates. You guys know what the median price of homes did back then? Jimmy, have you considered? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Answer the question. No, <laughs> listen. Have you considered with these price bumps that you're referencing, what it does to the normal person that can't actually afford a home now? What does that mean for them in the next couple of years? How does that affect the economy with those people? Have you considered that at all? Go down that rabbit hole. What are you What are you talking about? So they buy a house with a thirty year fixed loan at a at an elevated. Not, price. Look, we're not going to be able to do thirty year fixed loans soon. It's going to have well, to. Dude, that it will never ever go away. No, no, no. I, I'm saying you're going to you're going to increase amortization so people can afford it. Yeah, they'll probably do forty year forty year amortizations, which is even better for us. Right. So, but what I'm saying though, Jimmy, is this, right? 
if the majority of America can't afford a home and not just it's not anymore Seattle, Portland, LA, you know, New York, Miami. Now it's just every it's like the average neighborhood, bro. What happens? No, then? it's not. Like I will tell you in the middle of the country. The data says it, what it says. In the middle of the country, things are still affordable. Like I agree with you. The coasts have always been insane. RJ, it's tell them what's up, man. It's it's happening here in Texas, which is I mean, it's happening in, in other locations like parts of Oklahoma, parts of Arkansas. I mean, it we do this across the country and it's it's impacting other markets that it wasn't impacting in the past. If it's impacting Texas, I think it's because of all the crazy Californians moving out right. there. Um, but, you but know, like, we actually had uh, uh, one of the speakers uh, at Collective Genius this past week, or this week, actually. Uh, one of the speakers was uh, the guy that owns New Western. And, man, talk about a scary prediction. He thinks, it's, he thinks we're all going to hurt real bad. He thinks the Piper's coming, and we're all going to pay a massive price. Kind of scary to hear what his predictions are, so... Uh, but the other thing too is, you know, I, was, uh, I went shopping with my wife this weekend at the mall and I still can't find freaking parking and all the lines are freaking long. And it's like, this is just the strangest freaking recession I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's like you said, so man, everybody's still just holding on. And uh, eventually, man, it's eventually the car crashes, man, at some point. And it's going to be, and, and we're going to crash harder because we, we're <laughs> just, we're just prolonged. We're just kicking the can down the road. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So that round, riveting answers, RJ. The people love your Michelin man information. Um, that, that being said, I'm going to throw this one to Vreeland. Not going to lie. I love that he brought his cliff notes to the table for us. And, well, you know, Matt, I, I also wasn't able to finish my point. Like in the late That's 70s, okay. He gave the worst when answer. Rates, <laughs> when interest rates doubled, asked, the median home price tripled. Tripled, yep. Like, where else are people going to put their money? It, it's Crypto. going to go into hard assets. That's what happens in an inflationary time. All the way to the metaverse. Yeah, we're all going to invest in uh, the metaverse. We're going to buy plots right next to Steve. Um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> next up, what's one product or service idea? What is one product or service idea that you think would transform the real estate game? Start us off, Jimmy. This is an easy one. Blockchain instead of title companies. Dude, you got 45 seconds. Can you give us do anything I, more than that? I'm going to do RJ. I'm going to do the RJ. I don't, I'm going to, do I have to go any farther than 45 seconds? Like, <laughs> I don't would, know. Can, the entire game. Can, can you tell us how long an avocado stays ripe for or something? <laughs> Some miscellaneous fact. All right. Next up. All right, RJ. What, what's your, what's, what's the innovation on your side? Uh, my third answer is sponsored by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, well, I mean, since Jimmy got the last question correct, I guess, fuck it, why 40-year? Let's do 80-year. <laughs> or a, a product, let's just give everyone binders and ignore what the, the Fed's telling us. That'll really transform the real estate game. Those are my answers. <laughs> um, I'm feeling that there's a little angst there coming out of Texas right now. Um, not not quite sure how I feel about that. Uh, why don't Why don't you go ahead and enjoy the Lord's chicken while CJ goes ahead and uh, answers this question? CJ, what you got for us? No, nah, man, crazy enough, you know it's 
Damn, Jimmy, doesn't that eighty-year mortgage sound enticing? I mean, do you guys understand? Doesn't it sound? Doesn't it sound like it'll save the world and everything will still be peachy? No, but it no, 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 I get it. Us, you guys, you guys don't understand. Like a forty-year mortgage, you know how much easier that would make our job. Yeah, but I'm not just thinking about just me. Who are you thinking about? Everybody, bro. Everybody, because okay. everybody, everybody matters in the ecosystem at the end of the day, not just. Well, the- all right. Now we have to go philosophical. It's imp- it's impossible to care about everyone. So that's a, that's really not an answer. Like it's impossible I, to I care about everyone, specific. but it's possible to care about the majority. Hey, the host, host, Mr. Host, you got to control the conversation here. Ding, ding, I'm sorry, ding, I'm sorry, ding. I'm sorry. Hey, I just was saying hey. I like the thought. I'm poking a bit. I like the thought of the 80 year. Um, I'm gonna take a sacrifice bunt on this one. Um. You know, shout out to Evo and, 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 and Jesse. Uh, shout out to all these people who own software companies and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a bunt, uh, Potter, because um, I'm cooking something over here, bro. And uh, so I'm going to sit tight on answering this one. Man. Okay. All right. All right, Steve. What you got for us? So I had someone reach out to me not too long ago, and he proposed an idea. It's like, you know, that's an idea that sounds really crazy, but maybe we'll roll it out. Uh, CJ might be invited, maybe. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a real estate basketball mastermind. So we're going to rent out a gym and we're going to have a bunch of guys come out, play ball. We'll have a tournament. And at the end, we're going to do a panel discussion where we're going to actually help the people that paid to come attend the event. So it's going to be a real estate slash basketball mastermind. And I wasn't feeling really good about this answer, but after listening to the other three, I'm feeling pretty good. I like my chances <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> no, that sounds dope. That sounds dope. Uh, I I don't know. The 80 year mortgage sounds really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got you guys got two minutes. Go ahead and chop it up. I think I mean, we're gonna I, end up back on the last question, Jimmy. Go. I know I cut you off. I know I cut you off, Jimmy. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't jujitsu uh, me, bro. All right. Don't jujitsu me, bro. But All like right, you guys, I don't. I feel like you guys aren't embracing how awesome a forty-year mortgage would be for people who sell real estate. I'm not yes. saying it wouldn't be. It would be. I'd make a lot more money for sure. Right. So, I, but you have the sad boy. I don't understand. I'm confused. I I, I just think these types of when we continue to stretch these things this way, it's like what like you want to go buy a car. So people who buy cars right now and they're getting an eighty-two-month car loan. Like and right. We, what reason for this? 84. Come on, 84. Chris. Like, what are you looking at? I'm shopping. What I'm shopping for is 84. That's what I can. Well, I, I didn't go for the 84 month plan, right? It's like, for, the, for the individual American who we're talking about, if they get a 40 year mortgage, that is awesome for them because the back 20 years of that loan, they're giving garbage inflated dollars back to the bank. It's a good point. It may be horrible for the macro economy, but for the individual American, it's phenomenal. Like the 30 year mortgage is awesome for the individual american you know what's crazy uh, cj you brought you brought up the car example yeah a long time ago right this is back the back before i quit my job like i think even back before i even was working for intel like man i want a ferrari 360 spider like that's what i want you know so i go on the website and i go look around it's like you need a nine-year mortgage to buy this car <laughs> that's <laughs> ridiculous who in their right mind would get a nine-year mortgage to buy a Ferrari? Today? A people, man. Today? Steve, if they a seven-year mortgage is normal that, for a car. If yeah, exactly. That option, That's true. You should take that. What's that? If you give you that option, you should take that. 
you want to you want to extend out your amortizations as long as possible, and you want to put as much of your own as little as your own cash into any deal. I if, agree with that, but yeah, if the, it's an the, investment, the, right? Yeah, but that Ferrari wasn't going to be an investment. I was going to drive the hell out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, now Ferrari, that I would say that was probably uh, you don't need to buy like, that. But like twenty, like uh, twenty years ago, God, I'm old. So twenty years ago, a nine-year mortgage for a Ferrari was normal. Today, a seven-year mortgage is normal for just a regular car. Kind of insane to think about. <clears throat> ding, ding, ding! All right. That was definitely a great round. Way to have some bleed over from the last question, because clearly <laughs> we're all about keeping on track over here. We are the most informed individuals that have ever been uh, on a podcast. We're going to go ahead and give that one to RJ Bates with the 80-year mortgage. We love it. Absolutely. You didn't even believe it. Great idea. No, <laughs> no. That, that's enough. Calm down, I want to meet the host. Calm down. <laughs> all right, next up. If you had to create one viral social media video about real estate, what would you say? Go ahead, start us off, RJ. Hello, this is RJ. Yeah, just uh, reaching out to see if you're looking to sell one, two, three Main Street. How much are you looking to get for it? Yeah, I mean, if you don't want to receive text messages, you can just say no. All right, well, fuck you too. <laughs> Go viral. Viral, seven, right? Seven there. figures, right there, baby. And that was sponsored by Celsius. <laughs> How many things do you have around you? Holy cow! He's the most hydrated man on the uh, show. <laughs> Leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> All right, CJ. What about you? How are you going viral? Yeah, man. I think if I wanted to go viral, uh, I would probably dunk on Steve Trang at this basketball mastermind. <laughs> I would like go run. And like jump up on RJ because you know, look, I'm 36 now, man. I got a boss belly these days. I can't dunk anymore, so I would just run up on RJ and like use my hand to elevate a bit. And I'd literally just dunk the shit out of the basketball on Steve Train, <laughs> and I'd say, "Send a message to CG, bro," and I'd ride walk. <laughs> That's what I'd do. That's exactly what I would do. It sounds oh, like shit. the left-handed on the shoulder conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's still a dunk though. That you, you know, it's still qualified. <laughs> <laughs> wow absolutely wow all right steve how are you going uh, going viral you know drain, draining triples on cj over there what are we doing i mean it's gonna be the flagrant foul is gonna be the one that goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> um for me this is actually pretty easy so i've actually had a few virals go video on this on this topic and there's other there's other influencers that use this topic specifically to go viral over and over again and it's just the pick aside on landlords or tenants you just pick a side, all the landlords and tenants will go back and forth, and your thing will go viral over and over again. So the, uh, the video I did that went viral was me talking about how the government was bailing out all the tenants and uh, abandoning the landlords. And all the tenants were talking about how they deserve to be bailed out, and all the landlords like, I'm going broke. <laughs> right? This doesn't work mathematically. And so you just pick a video, or you take a video, you pick a side, plant your flag in the ground, and it will go viral because there's... Mostly the tenants will get really angry if you pick the landlord side. Ding, ding, ding. All right, Jimmy, what about you? How are you going viral? I've had one video go viral. Uh, and it was, I did a video about a house that I forgot I owned. 
And like the point of the video, he had a forty-year mortgage on it, man. <laughs> like the point of the video was that real estate's so great, like you can make a mistake, such as forgetting you own the house. Like I, uh, I, I own the house. We put a tenant in there the day we moved offices, so the tenant never got put in the CRM, and they absolutely trash trash the place. And like I forgot I owned it, and the county reminded me when they're like hey this is a vagrant property but i put that video out there and just be being like hey you know you can make a make a huge mistake like this and you're gonna be fine and like the hate the hate from that video was amazing about <laughs> oh you rich asshole you own so many houses you forgot about it like that was not the point of the video at all but <laughs> that definitely brought out the the uh the angry marxists in a big way uh i absolutely love that the midwestern kingpin over here all right chop it up y'all regardless the key to going viral with a real estate video because it's such a niche like thing that we're talking about is is to create controversy and hate in you as the person who made the video i mean it's like anytime i say something controversial to a seller or like i push back those are the ones where it really pops off and it creates the conversation in the chats that's where that's where it really goes viral. I had some pretty good activity when I was talking about how we were going to force vaccinate and mask everyone in the office. That viral that that video went pretty viral. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but uh, yeah, we were talking about double triple masking, testing every week just in case. That video did pretty well. That was a pretty, I guess, somewhat controversial position. And I think I the biggest problem was we went like full Steve Colbert, where you couldn't tell if I was serious or not. You just couldn't tell. Like, is he is he really gonna? Or is he kidding? The the one that's funny to me is is I had one. It, it's got like nine hundred thousand views right now on TikTok, that's and it was viral. me making. Well, it's still pretty good. <laughs> it, it was. It was me making a seller finance offer, and the comments on that were hatred towards me because I only offered five percent interest to the seller. And it yeah, was like, you are, you are ripping this man off. You're a, you're a moron if you take it. And the hate in the comments on that, I thought that was pretty surprising. That, that Where's this video? I, I need to go in there and add some more. Yeah. Hey, 5%, you're taking advantage of somebody, RJ. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a bit <laughs> predatory, man. For yeah. sure. <laughs> the call took place in 2020, I'm just saying. <laughs> I was just, always, when that video went nuts, I was just amazed that people have this much time on their hands. Like they were diet, you know, like they were writing war and peace in the comments. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is a 45 second video. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ding, ding. Um, I'm not going to lie. I actually love everybody's answer on this one. Um, the image of CJ absolutely just dunking on steve is amazing um just based on the fact that we've all seen it a thousand times like not gonna lie i'm gonna give this one to rj um as much as it hurts my heart you know i'm i'm gonna go ahead and he gets 200 views that's not viral no 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 he's had he's had a couple that have gone into the seven figures especially the ones where like people are really getting angry and they're like i'm gonna sue you and you know it it's hilarious <laughs> watching that i'm not gonna lie it really is all right Question number five. Hey, before you move on, I just want to put it out there. We're in a we're we're looking for a new host. We yeah, are not, send an email okay. to Steve at disruptors.com. <laughs> yeah. You'd be interested if you think you'd be a good host. 
Well, everybody else on the panel seems to be happy, so we'll just go ahead and take that into account. <laughs> All right, question number five. What is the biggest mistake you see young leaders making? Start us off, RJ. Uh, fifth answer, sponsored by Titanium Investments. Um, <laughs> the, the biggest mistake that I see uh, young leaders making is that they want to get out of their business and go do something else almost as soon as they taste any bit of success. Um, you know, it's like, hey, the the wholesaling business is running on its own. So now I'm going to move on to becoming an influencer with the education or I'm going to move on to flipping or rentals or commercial. And it's, hey, you got to stay in there a little bit longer and make sure that you actually built this on a solid foundation. And I think that's the biggest mistake that they make. And just under the cutoff on time. Good job, RJ. Proud of you on that one. Way to way to come back in midseason form. <laughs> All right, CJ. What about you, boss? I mean, a lot of what RJ said, but also I made a ironically made a post about this earlier today on Facebook, where you know, like 2015, 16, 18, you had so many people, man. Like even like last couple of years, every favorite word has been scale, scale, scale. How many sales reps can I have in my business? How big is my office? Go look at my view you know, all these different things. And so many people got so stuck in just not tweaking and, and, and building what got them there in the first place and really just using KPIs and really building and expanding on that. So I think leaders make mistakes when they start coming up with these grandiose concepts, just because a little bit more revenue than they've ever experienced before in their life has now entered into their bank account. And like RJ kind of said, now all of a sudden they want to be fixing flippers. Now they want to be landlords. Now they want to buy camera equipment and be social media influencers and tell people about the power of real estate and this, that, and a third. And uh, eventually a lot of these people, especially when the market starts to compress, when things start to shift and how the business works, they end up in a place where now they have nothing working at all because they're trying to extend 10% in 10 different places. Uh, and I think that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make when they get in the business. Ding, ding, ding. All right, Steve, what about you? I don't even know what's even the point of answering this question. I'm not going to get this points anyway, but... Um, negative one point failing to lead <laughs> others how they want to be led. I would say that's a big one for me. You know, it, it unfortunately it took me 15 years to figure that one out. Right. So like you expect people to, uh, operate the way you would operate. So you give them not enough instructions without enough detail and you want them to get it done. Uh, you expect them to work, uh, as early as you and as late as you, right. When you hire people that doesn't necessarily happen either. Uh, you don't understand the pains they go through. You don't understand what keeps them up at night. You know, I heard a friend talk about how, like, uh, one of his peers, uh, their their employee called in and said, I can't make it. Like, my car's broken down. And he's like, well, figure out a way to get in here, right? But the peer, you know, has three cars in the garage. He could just switch cars. It's no big deal, right? But failing to put yourself inside your team's position, have them understand the world from their perspective. I think we're so focused on what we're doing. We expect other people to operate exactly like we operate. And I think when you, when you fail to lead the team the way they want to be led, you can burn them out uh, pretty quickly. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, real quick before I forget, shout out to my roommate over here with the negative one point on the uh, <clears throat> on the screen for Steve. I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, <laughs> All right Jimmy, what you got for us? <laughs> uh, I what I see what I see young leaders doing that I can't stand is. They'll go to a mastermind, they'll he, like read traction and rocket fuel. And they're like, oh, I instantly have to hire an integrator and I'm gonna go live in the owner's box or the visionary box. And I'm gonna stop doing the stuff that actually made me successful. So very similar to uh, RJ's 
uh, comment, but they'll be have like three people on their team and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to hire a COO to manage these three people. And I'm going to be out on the inner 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 out of the integrator box and in the visionary box. And it, it just doesn't work like traction and rocket fuel needs to have like a, a disclaimer, like needs to have four businesses with 50 employees. Otherwise, just get yourself a good executive assistant. Ding, ding. Okay. All right. Chop it up, guys. And what's funny about this topic is, is going back to the the main question of today's episode and all of us, except for the person who got a point like Jimmy, uh, <clears throat> agree that 2024 and 2025 are probably going to be pretty rough. And, and this is, Hey, if you're a young leader and you're, you're like CJ said, you're putting 10% into 10 different things. Uh, prepare for uh, an extremely rude awakening. And that's why, listen, this is the first thing we say at the Crucible. What is your hedgehog concept? You better figure out what that is and get great at that before you want to do anything else. And I, I, I hope that someone here is listening to this and makes a change in the trajectory of how they're, they're managing their business because of these comments. I think we all kind of said the same thing here. I mean, we all saw a lot as well, right? In the last 12 months, how many people that were like, man, I finally been able to scale out, got scaled back in, right? How yeah, many or, of or, or got scaled out of the business entirely, yeah. right? Early retirement. <laughs> Early retirement. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I mean, yeah, I do think we're all saying really much the same thing. I think a lot of people, man, and just, you know, they, you know, wholesaling is a cash business, right? You know, especially real estate too, fixing and flipping stuff like that. People start to get a little bit of quick success. Uh, you post a before and after picture. You post a picture of your check. Uh, you get 100 likes. Uh, now you say to yourself, oh, man, you know what? Maybe I should sell a course. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Uh, when in reality, maybe you should just do more of what got you to the check uh, in the first place. Maybe you just need to buy a little bit more data and <laughs> run some more data. Uh, but just we, we have this social media TikTok era of uh, everybody's just got that shiny object and syndrome exactly trying to do all these different things. I think that's a difficult spot. Well, I think, I think also that message works because if you're an entrepreneur, you already have shiny object syndrome. You yeah. wouldn't have gone, you would not have gotten into wholesaling if you weren't distracted from your nine to five. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's just whatever got you here, it's going to, your strengths are also your weaknesses. And so you know, having the ability to to look into the future, have that foresight is also what gives you all those distractions, right? That's where all the sirens are coming from that are causing you to look over here, look over there, get distracted. Ding, ding, ding. All right. That was a great round. As much as it pains me to do this, Steve, you got the point. You're back to literally zero. Thank you. We're Thank you. we're extre we're extremely excited that you decided to participate with us today. I did it for all the little people like yourself. Uh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe I'll get an invite to the to the Christmas party this year. Um, <clears throat> all right. From our audience, here comes question number six: Is wholesaling recession proof? And to elaborate, most wholesalers that I know are doing less volume during this economic cycle. Are their business models faulty? Or is wholesaling indeed not fully recession-proof? Start us off, Steve. Um, I think wholesaling, for the most part, if done correctly, is recession-proof. But I think that a lot of the things that happened was we got a little ahead of our skis. I think we started spending more on marketing. We tried to get out of the business. 
and we weren't running the business the right way. You know, I got a chance to read a book, Anti-Fragile, very, very recently. It's an incredible book. And it talks about how to be able, how to, be able to survive, right, any, uh, any winter. And so, and I put myself, by the way, in this category as well. Uh, if I was just focused on only wholesaling, if I didn't have any other sources of revenue, I'd be hurting even more than the, than the pain I feel today. So I think if you're running it the right way, with the right leadership, with the right cash reserves, and looking into the future versus being focused on just the present, I, I think you're fine. We see a lot of peers that are, are operating that way. They've adjusted for it. But if you don't have a track record, if you, don't have a, uh, if you haven't been doing this for more than a couple of years, you don't know what this market is like. Right, like this is by the way, is not an awful market. This is actually what a normal market is. Uh, but you know, you don't if you're if you're not ready for this because you've been live, uh, basing your business off the last two three years. Yeah, th- your business is definitely not going to be recession proof. Ding ding. Yes, it's been an awfully normal market as of late. It really has. Uh, all right, Jimmy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think wholesaling is recession proof. I had a really interesting conversation with Jason Lewis about this, like in December. Um, I think wholesaling's hardest when we're not either in a boom or in a bust or not in a recession. So the problem, like what we saw in Q4 was the gap between what a seller thought their house was worth and what a buyer would buy it for was just too far apart. So there was no distress sales. But then there was also no rising market like we saw two years ago where you just needed to get a house and you could sell it. So when there's no movement in the market where we kind of, what we kind of saw in Q4, like I think that's the hardest time to wholesale. So I go to Jason, I'm like, so what are you gonna do? He's like, well, either prices will start going up and I'll wholesale again, or you know, we'll have some catastrophic economic event which will create distress sales and I'll start wholesaling again. So. I think you can look at wholesaling as when when there's that big gap, that's the hardest time to wholesale, not necessarily in a recession. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right. What are your thoughts, RJ? Wholesaling, recession-proof or no? And could you be as optimistic as you've been throughout the entire call? I, 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 got, I got you right here, Jimmy, okay? Wait, who's here's this one sponsored by? Here's how wholesaling is recession-proof, okay? First... You're going to go to my link on Instagram and you're going to get the titanium vault for free. Okay. Then you're going to get in your car and use your Michelin tires to go get a Celsius energy drink. And then you're going to go find houses with driving in your car that are distressed that are always going to need to be sold. Okay. For lunch, you're going to eat your Chick-fil-A. And after that, you're going to get a property under contract. And then you're going to celebrate by drinking your fireball cinnamon whiskey. And that is how wholesaling is recession proof. Thank you. Uh, Holy shit. Um, (laughs) All right, CJ, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, look, wholesaling is definitely recession proof at the end of the day. Uh, It's not recession proof if you don't know how to pivot. If you don't know how to make adjustments inside of your business and how you're running your business. Um, You know, one model that we've been working on for the past year and a half that's just doing extremely well right now is focusing on making a sales and marketing company that produces contracts and focuses on alternate markets. Uh, You can hand off a bulk of the work to somebody else on a JV strategy. Uh, And that works really well, I think, in markets like this. I think there's a ton of buyers still in the market. Uh, It's not 2008 in the sense of, uh, look, Wall Street wasn't in the business in 2008. 
Uh, I think Wall Street and institutional buyers are going to come in heavier than ever uh, when this thing goes to bottom out. And I think there's going to be <clears> tremendous <throat> opportunity to take advantage of then. But uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think wholesale is recession proof. But if you're still doing the same thing now that you were doing 12 months ago and expecting it to, to, to hold you through, uh, maybe that's not going to work. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't think you got to have pause for concern with that. Yeah, so and CJ, I think, uh, you, go ahead, RJ. You you think that the 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 easier side to to wholesaling is the dispo side? No, I'm talking about acquisition side. So what I'm saying is this, right? So like RJ, you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, right? So if I can acquire data, so like right now I can buy data at six cents a record skip traced. So if I can get records, if I can get twenty thousand records uh, for what is that, twelve hundred bucks, right, uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth, and I can put uh, my team of VAs, uh, my sales reps, my setters on creating those contract opportunities in Dallas, Fort Worth, that's going to minimize my business costs. And it's going to give me an opportunity to create revenue generating chances, right? So I can get those contract opportunities over you. If I called you up tomorrow and I said, RJ, I got our, uh, our, our RJ, I got 20 sellers in Dallas, Fort Worth that I got contracts on. I want you to do everything from here. You're not going to tell me no. I know you're not going to tell me no. You're going to say, yeah, man, send them right away because it's a free cost for you in terms of creating a, a revenue opportunity on your side so that's yeah, why i like the strategy go ahead yeah i agree with you i, I misunderstood i thought you were saying the to do that on the dispo side but no on the acquisition side absolutely Nah, acquisition side is a better side to be on in my opinion yeah. for sure and it's more yeah. cost effective and jimmy i think to your point i don't think an even market's bad for wholesaling i think a declining market is bad for wholesaling the greatest challenge we've experienced in the last six to twelve months is that the flippers are extremely pessimistic, and so they're just buffering in more, more, uh, uh, or they just they have a larger buffer, right? So, right, you know, uh, and because of a declining market, that's where that buffer comes from, and so a seller is the, is reliant on a high comp, an old higher comp. A flipper is m making his decisions based off of a lower comp in the future that hasn't even existed yet. I think a declining market is a lot harder. I think a normal market. Wholesaling is the same, right? I think we had craziness in the last few years because of an uh, of a increasing market, but I think a flat market is totally fine. It's the declining market where wholesaling is a challenge because you got unrealistic sellers, uh, buyers that are overly pessimistic, kind of like RJ, and you got to make that squeeze work. So that, I think that's I, I would disagree with you in that assessment, Jimmy. Yeah, and I I kind of didn't articulate it exactly correctly that an even market, but so you're saying the worst time to wholesale is decline, declining before we've hit the bottom. Yeah. Cause right now it feels like we've hit the bottom and right. it, it feels like, uh, you know, everything's a little sunnier in Phoenix right now. But if we right? hit the bottom and we're in a recession, do you still think it's game on? Hell yeah. Right. Cause yeah. then it's, cause the buyers are, are willing to pay a, a number that does not rely, is not reliant on, uh, uh, a declining market, market, right? They just they're yeah. just taking into account a longer hold time, uh, more private money costs or hard money costs, and so on. That's all they have to take and take uh, into account for. They're not adding that ten percent buffer in case things go south. I think Jimmy hit the nail on the head earlier too, though, because when you and you guys are kind of saying the same thing in different ways, but when you've got a declining market like this, to Jimmy's point earlier, you know, in real estate circles and and in our Facebook feeds and social media feeds. You know, the recession, the economy, the market. Yeah, that's a conversation. But for like everyday America, like that's not a conversation people are sitting around the cafeteria at work having right now. They're not talking about the economy. They're not talking about the market yet. As we inch closer in the next 12 to 18 months to the uh, to the election, 
and that starts to become a really poignant conversation about what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the market, you're going to then start to see sellers start to come down on their pricing a bit more and start being a little bit more realistic about what's taking place right now. And I know exactly what Jimmy's referencing because we've been seeing it like crazy, uh, but I don't think it stopped in Q4. I think we're still dealing with it right now where you have unrealistic seller expectations where they think they can still get that high comp. Where in reality, it's going to take another 6, 12, 14 months for them to realize, uh, you know, that they can't. You're going to see a ton. Of, but this is why your follow up right now is so important, too, because mm -hmm. in the next few months, you know, again, it's next 6, 12, 14, 18 months. Those same sellers in Q4, Q1, Q2 that wouldn't sell, they were holding out for the high comp. They're never going to get it. And so they're eventually going to get to the realistic point, but they need media to tell them that they need to come down in price. If you back and you watch probably the second or third episode of pardon the disruption we had a, a question about this what's going to happen to wholesaling if we go into a recession because that was the the topic then are we going into a recession uh we pretty much nailed exactly what happened in november and december we pretty much all agreed hey wholesalers are going to continue to get properties under contract the buyers are going to pivot a lot quicker than the wholesalers because they're going to say, I don't need your inventory. I can stay status quo, like especially the landlord. I don't need to buy right now. I'm going to pause for the next couple of months and see what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened during November and December. So to Steve's point, yeah, that decline for a lot of us wholesalers, November, December was scary where it was like we were having to renegotiate. 20 30 40 thousand dollars off of our prices uh just because that's what our buyers were needing rj to that too though as inventory on mls starts to kick up also right uh then you're going to start to feel that compression even more if you're a wholesaler your deal has to be better right are you offering people right now seller finance options uh on purchasing deals from you are you being a bit more creative and uh, how you kind of work inside of a buy box for, for for your buyers in your market um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, RJ, you're, you're spot on, man. Like, I mean, CJ, what do you mean by compress? Like there's less deals on the MLS or more deals? No, no, no. As inventory rises on the MLS, it's investor caliber, right? So yeah. from 2010 to 2018, 2022, right? You could, if you couldn't go on MLS, bro, if you wanted to get five deals today, it didn't right. exist. Like that concept wasn't real. When I started buying properties in 2009, 2010, if I needed 10 houses to buy today that fit my buy box, I could go on MLS and find them right now, right? We're going to get back to that point eventually, right? As we reach a bottom in the market before it picks back up again. So my point is simply, if you're a wholesaler and you're not pivoting to understand how the function of the market really affects everything that we're doing, uh, you're going to run into mistakes. Like if you're not getting better at how you negotiate and run your sales process right now, you're going to be stuck. Right. Like you, that was forget. You could be forgiven for that in the last couple of years. 2022, RJ, I know you make a bunch of phone calls. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not getting better at how you have conversations by phone and how you negotiate offers, you're going to be in a really tough spot because somebody's going to just say, why the hell would I buy a property from RJ for 50 grand when I can go buy another house next door for 42 grand on the MLS? And, and I'll, I'll add on to that. If you were one of those wholesalers that was not if you're not used to being transparent with your seller and letting them know that your intentions are to wholesale the property, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble because more of your buyers are going to say, I'll buy this on terms. I want to buy this sub two. How are you going to go back to your seller and say, will you sell this to me on sub two if you're not the actual buyer and you're, <laughs> you're assigning it to someone else? 
you need to be having those conversations up front. So I think, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be <clears> tough <throat> for some people because they just didn't have the foundation laid out correctly. Ding, ding. All right. I let that one go a little bit longer. Main reason why is we had a PTD first. Um, this is the fastest we've ever actually recorded a show. So I just <laughs> share that with you guys. Yeah, RJ, I beat you from last time. Um, that being said, uh, I'm going to give that round to Steve. Um, we got him on the board in the positive side now. And back from his hangnail uh, extraction, RJ comes in and just throws down dominating humor and wins um you know huge proponent of all the sponsorships you're bringing to the show we really appreciate that um that being said thank you everybody for joining us today it was a great show um i'm gonna go ahead and let everybody go ahead and give an outro start us out uh rj yeah i mean i really got to give it up to my crew they really worked really hard on the car today uh, shout out to all my sponsors, Michelin, Celsius, Chick Fil A, Fireball for coming on. I mean, it's just it's been a really special episode of Part of the Disruption. Uh, looking forward to next week's race. I mean, uh, show. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, CJ, send us off, boss. <laughs> man, it's Thursdays, man. Startflippingdeals.com. We'll be live at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, talking real estate, how to do your first deal. And how you can buy houses across the country without cash, without a bank, without having to worry about your credit. So tap in. Nice, nice. Steve, go ahead and, uh, you know, our late Surge over here. We're going to call him Surge Steve. Go ahead and uh, send us out. Uh, Steve Trang, if you didn't like today's show, uh, go to firematthewpotter.com. I was able to register it during the show. <laughs> so, you know, just offer your feedback there. Submit your complaints. Firematthewpotter.com. So negative five points. That, uh, <clears throat> somebody was putting in an FTC complaint. Uh, but Potter, <laughs> I got you. I got your back, man. Don't worry. Uh, we'll put the we'll put the charged up bank account behind you. We'll get you some attorney. <laughs> there we go. I, I appreciate your support. I do. <laughs> Jimmy V, talk to us, boss. Uh, Jimmy Breland, Cashflow Tactics. If you have any interest in uh how a turnkey operation runs how we find the house how we do the rehab how the management works we are doing a, a bus tour in st louis may 12th 13th and 14th we call it the cash flow heaven tour uh if you're interested um check out cashflowtactics.com slash cash flow heaven tour fantastic also you can learn from jimmy v how to own a house and completely forget it <laughs> So we got that, that going you gotta have a lot of houses well, to get there. That's awesome. Yeah, you got you. you gotta wonder how many houses Jimmy's got right now. That used to be we used to definitely I let that house sit vacant for two years because I just didn't want to do the rehab, but we used to take the bus tour to that house. It was everybody's favorite job. Fantastic. Hey Potter, Potter, yeah. last thing. If you ain't first, you're last, baby. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So next week, I don't know if we're going to be able to top this, but we're sure as heck going to try. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week.